Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, today we will be looking at the round one. We'll be uh, taking a look at all the eliminated teams from the qualifying series. Uh, the draft lottery happened tonight. We're recording on Monday. So we will obviously discuss the winner of that as well. Um, so I guess we'll we'll start with the... Um, the well, I was thinking we'll go through the series and uh, we'll just talk about uh, who people put out and... Uh, you know, what we think, obviously, of the series and the matchup. So I'll, we'll just start with the top, I think, in the uh, the East here. Uh, so Philly and Montreal. Um, Montreal uh, upset Pittsburgh, obviously, in a... Uh, was it four games? I don't even... Yeah, the four games. They didn't even make it to a game five. Um, credit where it's due. Carey Price um, played like... Uh, I don't know if it's peak Carey Price, but it was pretty close to it. He stood on his head for four games. Yeah, that's why we... Uh... Some people are going to take this, it's funny because depending on how you think, you can look at this in complete opposite directions. And the way we should look at this is you shouldn't pay much attention to goaltending, but other people who thought Carey Price was a god coming in can probably take the wrong lesson and go, wow, goaltending matters so much in this five-game series as far as predictions go. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, I don't know, like we'll we'll get into goaltending obviously in a series or two here because... uh, uh, a goalie who was fine this year probably played was the best goalie in the uh, whole series. But uh, yeah, like it's one that I don't, I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious that Philly should have the advantage here. Um, by how much? I would say a, a decent amount. Like I'm, Montreal was still the 24th place team in the entire league. Yeah, like Philly is. I don't. I don't think the Flyers are like a dominant hockey team. Like seeing them as the one seed in the East is weird, but. Montreal's just not a great team from top to bottom. Like, Philly's just the team has better players. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, I don't know, like, Dom Lushijan has a 64% for Philly, which is a lot for hockey, but funny enough, is probably one of the more, more tame ones that uh, there are this year because there's a couple, like, 75% series, I believe. Yeah, because of all the upsets and then just like a handful of really strong teams playing them, there's some really aggressive probabilities this year, which we rarely see. Yeah, so it'll be fun to watch how those play out. But uh, yeah, for this series, I don't know. Like, I, I do enjoy watching the Montreal Canadiens, even though they don't have a lot of star talent. They play the kind of like classic playoff hockey where it's like it's pretty exciting, even though it's more defensively structured half the time. Um, I don't think they have a bad team. I just don't think their team is super talented, but... Yeah, I, they, they they play a very good, like, team game or whatever. I also think their top line takes a lot of heat, but is at least reasonably interesting to watch. Yeah, especially, like, um, I thought against Pittsburgh, their biggest issue was going to be depth, but, uh, and not, not even depth, but, like, you know, once you, even if you can, say, put that top line against Crosby, well, good luck, now you have Denny Malkin to deal with, right? Um but, you know, they seem to handle it. And now against, it'll be interesting against Philly because, you know, Sean Couturier is one of the top five centermen in the league. Um, but, you know, past that, like, they have a good team, don't get me wrong, but it's not like they're absolutely stacked down the middle or anything like that. No, not really. Like, it's worth noting that the Penguins absolutely ran them over. But, like, I, I don't think Philly will do that because I don't think the Penguins are, or the Flyers are a good of a team, but I still think they have a big edge. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's a few series here where it's like, yeah, upsets are definitely hap- uh, probable, or not probable, upsets can happen, and I would assume at least one will be probable, but it's like, it's so risky to bet on it, so it's you're just kind of choosing uh, which one you should bet on, so. This, uh, this might be the year where the fewest underdogs are picked, looking at the bracket, to be honest. Yeah, like, I think so, but I, I don't know if that's, like, the right choice because I think, like, last year, no one, obviously no one can predict all seven and eight seeds advancing past the first round or whatever, but it's, like, something along those lines, not saying that necessarily, but something along those lines usually happens. Yeah, like, one of them's going to get up, but usually there's a team who comes in on, like, seventh place where people are like, hey, this series is, like, a coin flip sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. Like the Carolina last year in seventh, or like uh, you know L.A. a couple years in the Cup run year, and Nashville in 2017. There's definitely none of that, but I think that's also because the eight seed, quote unquote, are the 23rd and 24th best teams in the league. 
Yeah, that's definitely the main cost. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the time you get down to like a 4v5 matchup, I wouldn't really call that like uh, an upset per se. Like maybe you could make the argument more so this year because the one seeds are four seeds because the NHL is silly. But uh, like, but by the time you get down there, it's not like there's any massive, like if Calgary beat Dallas, would you call that a huge upset? No, like the only, I think there's possibilities for five actual upsets. I guess six. Yeah. I should probably count Carolina too. Because even Carol, honestly, yeah, like I don't know, but even the four v five seed, you're just looking at. I would say there's probably five upsets total. That would be like pretty surprising to me. Yeah, it depends how. Yeah, I would say so. Actually, but, I guess six. Like I, th- I think Mont- every East top team should win by like sixty. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I do agree. Like I think they should win, but at the same time, like. Carolina's got a real good team. So, and I don't know, like it, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, for this series, I'm going to go Philly in six. I think Montreal probably play them pretty hard, but I don't know if they have the, you know, the, the scoring talent to just get it, get it done in the end. And I, I don't know the goaltending matchup should be interesting too. Price versus uh, Carter Hart. Uh, you know, I, I think they start Elliot as well once game, but I, I would assume Carter Hart will be the starter and, uh, the, as the season's gone on, he has picked up his game. He struggled mightily to start, but uh, since, you know, and obviously it's four months since the, the regular season ended, but he had really picked up his game, and he looked pretty good in the round robin as well. Yeah, the round robin itself really weird. Well, yeah, I, I don't know how much of it you watched, but I found both sides. It just kind of fell flat. Like, it felt more like a just a regular season game than anything else. And that partly is because it kind of is like there was no elimination or anything like that, but there just was not near as much of an edge in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Like, I don't want to speak for the players because obviously I can't, but it looked like they really don't care about home ice this year, which I think is reasonably rational. Yeah, it's fair enough. But I, I mean, again, we talked about, I think last podcast, if I'm Philly, I'm happy now because I'd much rather face Montreal than Carolina. Like, I think there's a huge gap in between those two teams. Yes, there absolutely is. So, um, yeah, my prediction is Philly in six. I'll say the same thing. Maybe Philly in uh, seven. Just in yeah. Um, for Montreal, if we look at the team, they, they put out Pittsburgh in the uh, round robin. And, yeah, I mean, credit to them. They battled back. Like, game three, uh, they should have been down. They were dead to rights, and they stormed back with, like, four unanswered goals to take the, the victory and take the series lead. And, uh, you know, from there, they just needed to chip out a win, and they got one in game four. So, uh, you know, credit to them, but I, I thought Pittsburgh was definitely the better team. They just uh, got goalied. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's sometimes that's all there is to it. We'll get to if another series was like that or not, but I think the Pittsburgh-Montreal series was definitely just the Pens getting goalied. Yeah, um, yeah, at least, you know, something like that. Um, you know, and, and not, not to, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Um not to discredit Montreal, like they they played hard enough, but uh, you know that's it's kind of thing where it's like, yeah, if you play that series ten times over, Pittsburgh wins seven or eight times probably. Oh yeah, Pittsburgh's happy to replay that series repetitively. Yeah, but that's that's also the uh, I don't know, to, to some people that's the fun of the five game series, and that's why it was so unpredictable going in. Yeah, exactly. It's it's fun, but it's annoying if you're the Penguins. Yes. Uh, next series, uh, the two seed Tampa Bay Lightning. I believe they, maybe Colorado played the same spot too. I say Tampa and Colorado. I think are the only two teams that actually stayed in the seeding spot that they would have been in. And even for um, both of those teams, they actually probably go up a spot because it's the, usually the two division winners that uh, lead it off. But uh, yeah, Tampa Bay, they're round robin. Uh, they, Victor Hedman sat out a bunch of it, if I'm not mistaken. Um. I'm not sure if he I, – I, I'm assuming he's going to be good to go. I think he was day-to-day last time I had heard, but I'm assuming he'll be uh, good to start. I would hope so for Tampa's sake. Yeah, I haven't heard he's not playing in the meaningful games. So I just – like I'm just penciling him in in my sort of mental lineup. Yeah, so obviously a rematch of last year. I think you're going to have people uh, uh, hot-taking Columbus maybe again. And, you know, if their goalies play like they did uh, did last series, that – Obviously, nothing's out of the question, but again, I think Tampa's just got such a better team, and honestly, like, I don't know how much I buy into the 
trying factor or whatever you want to call it. But I, I do think that there's something to be said that Tampa probably isn't going to underestimate what the uh, Blue Jackets are bringing this year. No, if they did last year, they're certainly not going to make that mistake again. Like they're they're the better hockey team. I think they should be more motivated. Like I don't know. I think Tampa's a pretty clear, overwhelming favorite here. Yeah, Dom Lachishan has them at seventy three percent, which uh, you know we said the the Flyers one was pretty crazy for hockey. This is almost ten percent more. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's the pretty easy call is Tampa here, but seventy three percent is really high for a hockey especially, like an yeah like like especially yeah winning a whole like i don't know it, even just like the sweep percentage is 14 percent for tampa which is like aggressively high for hockey uh that's, betting odds that's close to columbus's that's half of columbus's chance of just winning the series yeah and they have it for sweeping obviously you know people are gonna be oh the odds aren't everything no they're not at all like Last year, Columbus had a 1% chance of sweeping, and they did it. So, But, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's like it's crazy to look at just the mismatch of, you know, skill and what the, you know, what the, uh, the models say anyways and about how these teams have played. Um, I want to get into the Toronto and Columbus series because I, I know we're going to have a big conversation about Toronto here. Um, I'll, I'll start off with the Columbus side. They played exactly the type of game they need to play to win and probably the exact type of game that they'll need to play again where they kind of – they have to get good goaltending. That's a must. They just kind of hang on defensively, you know. And even then, I don't think they held on. Like, for all the talk of them being just this awesome defensive team, I thought Toronto had plenty of chances. They just couldn't finish on them. Yeah, I thought it was just a perfect example of how, like, a 2% even strength shooting percentage can warp your perception when you're just watching the game. Because it's not like the Leafs looked like a juggernaut offense or anything, but like, the Leafs definitely got way better chances and way more chances than Columbus. Yeah, I think the Leafs probably outplayed Columbus. What they played, uh, five games, so 15 plus... Uh, if you exclude the overtime, I think Toronto probably outplayed Columbus in, what, 12? 11 or 12 of the 15 periods, and they just came up with two wins because, you know, one of the, one of the periods, I mean, Columbus stormed back for a period and a half, and obviously Toronto did the exact same thing with three goals in five minutes, which is just insane. But it's also just the most Toronto thing in the world to have that just insane comeback where you're like, it's just destined that they win now. Like, here's their, okay, here we go moment. And they just come out, and they played good. Like I thought they played fine on Sunday, but they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get past the uh, Columbus goaltenders. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I don't think the Leafs really played amazing in the series, but they were also better than the Blue Jackets by a reasonable margin, right? Yeah, like, I, I don't think it's... Um, it's not like the Capitals against the Canadians from 2010 where they got halacked, but, like, it's not super far off. Like, the Columbus-Blue Jackets tandem had, uh, together had, I think it was six and a half goals saved above average by... I think Dom tweeted that out, or Jeffler, maybe... Um, in that series and like there was only a handful of people who had done that like over the whole 82 game season or whatever this year it's like yeah like maybe the goaltending was just unreal and when you shoot two percent you're probably not going to win and I don't know like some people go well you can't shoot two percent and part of that is sure but at the other time it's like it just you can't really do anything about that you know Exactly. Like the play, yeah. Like the playoffs are great for taking people who know better to, and then making them draw conclusions about a five or seven game sample. Like everybody we listen to on hockey Twitter knows that shooting percentage is meaningless over a five game sample, and yet people are actually going to call that the Leafs should make changes based on shooting percentage over a five game sample. Yeah, and I mean, so I, I just looked it up, and so I think it was like. They had six and a half goals saved above expected over the series. And then if you, like, put the minutes up to, you know, past uh, 15 games played or whatever, there was literally, like, seven goalies in the entire league who had more than that over the span of the year. And obviously you can go up and down, but that just kind of talks to how good the goaltending duo of Columbus was in that five-game sample. Yeah, exactly. And it's pretty hard to win when you go up against that goaltending. Like, almost no team does it. Look at the Penguins. They probably— had a better XG share than Toronto in their series. And they had Crosby and Malkin who are proven playoff performers and yet they couldn't do it either. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I mean, I'm so torn because I do get the, the, you don't need to trade one of the biggest play. Like 
you don't need to go and trade William Nylander just because, or even Mitch Marner just because. I think, you know, obviously we've talked about it a couple times here. If there was one to trade, um, obviously if you're saying Tavares and Matthews are excluded, it'd probably be Marner in our opinions just because the league's probably higher on him than, you know, what we are and his contract's bigger and you could probably get more value for it. But as weird as that sounds, but like, I just don't think you need to trade one of those four, especially not for the sake of making a trade. Exactly. Like, that's the problem. Like, the Leafs can make legitimate changes and come out the other side better. But the problem is, if you look on, like, Twitter or whatever, there are basically three options being floated. Trade someone and make the team worse because I'm pissed off. And that's fine. Like, it's frustrating as hell. I get why people are saying it, but it most, like, a lot of it is stupid. Convert Mitch Marner's war to a defenseman, which is not possible or convert William Nylander's war to a defenseman, which is also not possible. And then the fourth one is just go out and win a trade, which isn't a real strategy. Yeah. I mean, it's, I I, I get why people are frustrated. It's insane watching it. And just like, you know, with the franchise too, just the the nature of the past 15 years or whatever. um, I, I get why it's frustrating. Even just this team at times, like they just, even on Sunday, I don't think, like, I think you can just chalk it up to bad luck, and that's it, fine. But I also get why people are like, okay, we've watched now four years in a row where it's been bad luck or whatever. And some of it hasn't. Some of it, like, obviously no one expected them to beat the uh, um, Washington Capitals in 2016 or anything like that. But it's like, after a couple years of just, like, watching them, even in game, like, 70 of the regular season, just put up an absolute dud, but then go and dominate the next game. It's like, why can't you just put most of that performance on most of your games and you would be fine. I get why watching that is frustrating, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just feel I'm so torn on it because I think there are flaws with this team. I mean, I think that's every team has flaws, but I think this team definitely does. You know, I don't know if their defensive structure is necessarily good enough to win multiple playoff series. Um, I'm not saying it isn't, but like, I I think there needs to just be more buy-in from the team as a whole, you know, forwards included on that. Um, and, you know, upgrading the personnel somewhat on the back end. You can't have, I'm sorry, you cannot have Cody Cece playing 24 minutes a night or whatever it was and expect to do some real damage in the playoffs. Yeah, replacing Cece and Barry would go a really long way. And lucky for the Leafs when you're, you have members on your team that are such weak links, I don't think it's particularly hard for Dubas to upgrade on Cody Cece. No, I mean, if you can even get, like, Rasmus Sandin and fourth pair, or third pair, sorry, second, like, fourth defenseman minutes, second pairish, if he can be playing that by the end of the year next year, I think you're that's already an upgrade. Yeah, like, if Sandin's a bad four, that's still an upgrade on CC, I think. Yeah, and, you know, and this is where the cap space issue comes in, and, you know, maybe you look at trading someone like Kasperi Kapanen, um, you know, not not taking Marner or Nylander, but if you can trade Kasperi Kapanen for, like, a good three or a good four, like, a good, an actual second-pair defenseman who's going to play second-pair minutes and do it good, or, like, do it well, maybe that's something you look at instead. Yeah, I could see, like, basically, like, people are throwing out the Marner or Nylander trades, but, like, that's great in theory to convert either of their wars to the right side of your blue line, but it's almost certainly not possible. Kapanen is, and Janssen are the two guys where you might actually be able to find a way to convert what they add to a defenseman. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah, like I, I would look at, I don't know how high the, the market will be on Janssen just because um, he's been, he was hurt so much this year, but uh, yeah, I don't like it. it Obviously, I think Leafs fans will have a couple, a little bit to step back and look at it. And I, I don't blame anyone for being extremely frustrated and making some um, interesting comments over the past 24 hours or whatever. But, you know, when you look at it, especially this series compared to last. So, like, last last series against Boston, I think there was legitimate gripes to be had. You know, with the team not always playing, but also with the coach. Because he played his best players, what, 16, 17 minutes. This year, you know, Sheldon Keefe played his big dogs the entire time. He he loaded up on a line, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I thought the Leafs looked kind of flat after that line came on. That line was buzzing, and they just unfortunately couldn't score a goal. But I thought the Leafs looked pretty flat. But either way, you know, you can't complain for three years that your big guys aren't getting enough minutes, and then once you load up on the big guys and play them every other shift, go, oh, well, now we have no depth. This isn't okay. Yeah, and it's weird because the way their forwards are paid, like they, sh- their depth should have looked better than it did when they were loading up that top line. Like I didn't yeah. love Nylander at center at all. Like that line was not 
I don't know. No, I, I agree. I, I think it was an odd thing to do, especially considering he rarely played it this year and the fact that you did it in game five, an elimination game five. I That was one of the few things I really disagreed with what Keith, and that end, I didn't really think Nick Robertson should have been taken out of the lineup, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I almost thought, who would you take out? Clifford or Engvall? I just, I'd probably just want to put Janssen back in. Like, the dude yeah. hasn't played since February. I, I respect putting Janssen back in. I think I would have put Janssen in and probably taken Clifford out. I, sure. Like, if you want to do that, that's fine. But, like, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't see, like, that third line was uh, one of the best lines throughout, the, especially the first half of the series. Like, they looked good for, like, every time they went on the ice. And it's just, like, sure, they felt maybe a little flat in games, game four. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't think, it obviously wasn't a critical, like, a huge, huge thing. I just... I would have much rather see them put the guys in that were playing pretty well than a guy risk a guy going in who hasn't played since February. And like, I don't think Janssen looked bad, but was he noticeable out there on Sunday? I don't really think so. I can't tell you a single thing he did. I think no, he like, was very miserable, right? Like, I don't think he was actively miserable either, but I don't think yeah, he did anything positive. But that. I don't know. So, like, I guess, you know, and we spend a long time on Toronto. I'm sure we'll spend a bunch of time going forward here, too. Like, uh, not this podcast, but, you know, um, it's uh, what I would say for Leaf fans who are upset is that's fine. Um, it's definitely fine. It, it's definitely okay to want changes as well. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think this team can run it back with, well, they're not going to be running back with the same team because you're going to have CC and Barry out. You need to get more of an uh, upgrade on defense. But, Again, I think just more team buy-in would be okay, too. But it's also not like the Leafs were, like, horrid defensively this year, either. Like, they were kind of middle of the pack, maybe slightly below average. But, like, I don't know. Like, I think if you I, – I would want to see a full year of Sheldon Keefe as the head coach, for sure. And I get you can't – It you know, when you're paying the big guys this much, they eventually have to start winning. But especially in the NHL, winning doesn't just happen in the first three years of a career, you know? Yeah, like shit happens just kind of randomly. And it's worth noting just how good they were under Keith. Like they were probably a top, what, six team in the league under Sheldon Keith. Their numbers definitely suggested that. They just didn't get the goaltending. Yeah, and even if you just went off like goals four percentage, I'm pretty sure they were still in the top 10. And like, let's say they are the sixth best team in the league under Keith. Like the NHL set up in such a way that if you can keep running the sixth best team into the playoffs, like, Obviously, you want to be higher, but realistically, that's the like. There's a little bit of variance around that number, and then you just hope to get hotter at the right time. There's only so much you can really do, right? Yeah, exactly. And they're unlucky because they're in a very tough division where even if they're the sec- sixth best team, the top five usually has two from their division in Tampa and Boston in it as well. But like, again, you just kind of have to run it through and and, and hope, you know, that uh, one of the years you get hot. And but again, I think just. Uh, upgrading around the edge and having another year of growth from your young guys might put you from sixth to say fifth or fourth. And then you're looking even better, right? Yeah. And then you're one hot Nylander and Marner year at the same time away from suddenly you're like one or two maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I, I get why fans are frustrated. I think that if you're Toronto and you showed so much potential that by now you would hope that they have at least won some kind of playoff series. And you know, even or even that, even just be able to put in the performance to be top two in your division one of these one of these times, so you could have home ice advantage in one of the playoff series. But I don't know. I, I would like to see another year. It'll be interesting to see the moves they make because they definitely need to make a few moves. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I think it's it's fair to be frustrated, but at the same time, no team is winning a series when they shoot two percent, and some of it slightly might be on their players, but it's also just bad luck. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know how somebody could have watched John Tavares play this series and be like, he should have changed anything. Like, the pucks didn't go in. It's fine to accept that, but he played just lights out, right? And that happens sometimes in hockey. Yes, same with Austin Matthews. Like, I thought Matthews was the best player I watched in maybe all of the playoff series, other than McDavid. But, like, like he was just everywhere, and he just, you know, he probably could have had three or four more goals. He just couldn't score them, so. Exactly. Um, I guess we'll get back to the Tampa Columbus series quickly. Uh, I don't know. It should be, I think I'm, I'll be excited for this. Um, this was definitely the mo- the best outcome for a Columbus series because Columbus doesn't excite me too much as a team, but this matchup does, but I can go Tampa in five. I'll go Tampa in six. And I completely agree. This is pretty much the only way you can get me interested in a blue jacket series. Yeah. 
Um, so the next series, Washington and the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders knocked off the Panthers. Bobrovsky kind of looked like he did in the rest of the regular season. It was not great. Um, this should be an interesting series because I like the Capitals roster, but I'm a little weary of Holtby and Nett. Yeah, this is a weird one because, like, me and you have been repetitively lower than a lot of people on the Capitals, but also the Islanders. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I have this as the one upset. Well, no, not the one upset, I guess. I have this as an upset in my bracket. I don't know how strongly I actually feel about that, but this was one of the series where it's like, I could at least see the Islanders winning, so I'll pick it as my upset, but, like, I would still favor Washington in the series. Yeah, like, Washington's definitely be the better hockey team yeah 100 percent. i don't think there's any there shouldn't be any arguing that yeah i don't know exactly what the odds would be does dom have a right for them yet no his is probably coming out tomorrow on them like what do you think it is probably 60 40 yeah somewhere around there like probably around where the it depends how much. Yeah, I think it'd be sixty forty because I think his model is not stupid low on the Islanders, and I don't think it's super high on the uh, Capitals either. Yeah, so something like that would make sense. Yeah, so I I don't know. I think this is uh, again like I don't the Islanders don't really excite me, but this should be an all right series that I'll, I'll definitely tune into some games for. Um, I don't. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, what the X factor for the Islanders would need to be, other than, you know, just goaltending, which has been for the past two years now. But, like, I guess Barzell has to just outplay whatever the first line is that Washington throws at him. Yeah, like, I have a hard time imagining whatever line as far as Barzell is on is better than his opposition just because of how many more good forwards the Capitals have. But if he could carry a line, that would be the biggest non-goaltending X factor by a mile, in my opinion. Yeah, um, you know, I, again, I don't hate the Islanders' defense core either. It's not loaded or anything like that, but I think it's pretty good. So it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, you know, the Islanders are going to play a, a defensive style game where they just kind of you know clog it up, and it'll be interesting to see um, if Washington can take advantage of that. And I think the the big thing I think, in my opinion, obviously, as has been with Washington for a long time, is if the Islanders want to win this series, they're going to have to stay disciplined because. If they start running into penalty trouble and give the Capitals some space, I think that'll that's where it'll get real dangerous. Yeah, like if you're the Islanders, they've been so good defensively for so long now, you should be confident enough in shutting down the Caps at 5v5, but if they get on the power play, it could be game over. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with that one. Um, yeah, so I'll go Islanders in seven. Um, I don't, you know, again, I kind of... I think Washington very well could win it. Um, at, you know, I think they'll be favored, but I, this is one where it's like it could go either way, and I wouldn't be absolutely shocked. But I'll go Islanders in seven just so I have it upset. Fair. I'll go Caps in seven and hope for Washington's sake that Holtby holds on. Yeah. Uh, the next series. Uh, oh, I guess we should talk about Florida a little bit as well. Um, I don't have a ton to say on them other than just like how kind of lackluster they looked again. Yeah, they look bad. Like, uh, it was just not, like, they just look, like, it was just uninspired, maybe is the word. Yeah, like, how they have all year. Um, You know, we were both pretty high on their roster talent to, you know, coming into the year. Um, And obviously, Bobrovsky was just a huge disaster in year one of a mega contract, which isn't great. Um, But, like, they were just so, so even, like, for this, just surprised. I thought they were going to make it a bit of a series, but, like, other than Game 3, just none of the games felt even that close. No, like, it, and it was weird because they like they have the game-breaking stars that usually people love to cling to in the playoffs, and they just couldn't really do much. No, they absolutely couldn't. And, you know, I didn't watch a ton of the series because I was at work for a lot of it. But, like, from what I hear, it just wasn't all that entertaining. And, you know, I, that's the exact kind of hockey the Islanders have to play and should be playing, you know, if they want to win. So, fair enough. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just kind of underwhelming. And, you know, if they have to cut salary this offseason, they could be in some big trouble going forward. Yeah, well, they, they fired Dale Talon, correct? So yep, they, they did, yep, they did fire Dale Talon. They mutually parted ways uh, today. Um, I think that's a good move for the team. I mean, you haven't liked Dale Talon at all. Obviously, that's no secret, but... Yeah, thank God the computer boys are gone, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Thank God I'm back. Um, what a cool... It, 
it, it'll be interesting to see where they go from there, I guess, if they go more of an analytical route again, or if they try and find someone in the middle or just go back to a different old hockey guy. Um, but Yeah, I don't know. Whoever takes over, if you step into the Panthers and you're being told to cut salary immediately, like that's never a good spot to be in. No, and I don't think that um, – well, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it um, brings the top tier of uh, talent to what you want. But that being said, the top tier of talent usually in the NHL are just old hockey men who want to get paid a lot. And those aren't usually the good GMs anyway. So, like, maybe it's not a bad thing, but, you know, obviously, like a silver lining thing. Obviously, you could just be smart and hire someone smart. But um, I don't I don't know. Like, it's, it's one of those things to me anyways where um, – I think if they make the right call and, you know, even if it's someone like analytical, like let's say they have to cut salary. Okay. They try and move on from, I don't know, name whatever three or $4 million player Dale Talon just signed this past off season or whatever. If you can go find a Jonathan Marsh or so again, or something like that, uh, maybe your team does look a little better and for cheaper. Yeah. Like there's certainly things you can do. They just have a lot of like money. You can't really move is the crowd. Like you're not moving Bob. They have a bunch of dead money. You're not moving Yandel. And then the rest of the big money you don't want to move outside of Strawman. Yeah, and even, like, Strawman, like, I mean, you, you can move him for sure, but it's like, does moving Strawman to pick up someone else, trying to pick up someone else, does that make your team any better if you're still trying to compete? I don't know if it does. Like, I don't, Strawman's obviously not what he was, but he's not, like, a bum. I, I don't think he's a bum yet either. No, he's, I, I don't think he's a replacement level. Same with, like, Mike Matheson, like, they would be benefit to get rid of his contract, but it's not like he's this miserable defenseman either. Yeah. But then you just look down the line, it's like two and a half mil for Frank Vetrano for two more years. Brett Connolly, three and a half mil for three more years. It's like, why are you signing that? And, like, they have to make a decision on Mike Hoffman and Evgeny Dadanov and Eric Halla. Uh, You know, I would assume they let Brian Boyle walk. I wouldn't shock me, actually, if they let Eric Halla walk as well, because some people were saying that's kind of where the salary got cut was – they trade Trocheck and then let Hollow walk after the playoffs this year. That would make sense. I just, so that, I just, where oh, they get sorry, enough, I just don't know where they get enough good players to be competitive next season. Like where yeah, does that I mean, come like, I think with their roster, they're going to be competitive in terms of they'll be right around the playoff bubble where they have been the past two, three seasons. But like. Again, like, we were talking about how, like, for me, they were a dark horse to maybe take a step into the top three if uh, one of the teams got off to a bad start and they had a hot start. And they were kind of with Toronto there for a while. But, like, I just don't see, I don't have the confidence if they run back this roster minus some people next year. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, and if Bob gets hot, then all of this is rendered mute. But, like, if they're subtracting, like, I just don't love where this roster is going to be. No, me either. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch what they do this offseason, who they hire as a GM. But, uh, yeah, we'll get back to the playoff picks. Uh, so you had Washington, I had the Islanders. Um, so the last series in the East, Boston and Carolina. This is the one I am personally most excited about in the, maybe in general, no, I think my second most favorite in general, but uh, most favorite definitely in the East. Um, I think this should be a pretty good series. Yeah, this is pro- probably the best one to watch. I think it'll be this in St. Louis, Vancouver, in my opinion. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Um, Carolina kind of get kind of has it tough for a five seed here that they get Boston, but yeah, one hundred percent. But you know, I will say in the round robin, Boston looked like they really didn't care. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can just kick it up in the top notch now to start the playoffs here. Um, I'm, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying it was really weird because like. It was really weird seeing just how lackluster they looked in the round robin. Yeah, they looked like they did not care at all. And they really did get screwed. Like, they should have been able oh, to capture those games and still come first. But It was a stupid like, system. Or, like, at the very least, I think they should have been, like, if you lose all three games, you're, like, the second seed. Like, someone suggested one where it was either you take your points from the uh, what you had in the regular season, any win adds two or three points on to your total from that. So it's like Boston would have still been first because, or, you know, maybe if they did three points, Boston would have been second instead of first because Tampa could have passed them. But like if you did, let's say, so let's say you said everyone had their points from the regular season or, you know, you did it by winning percentage and then multiply that by 82 games. If you need to get everyone on the, the even ground, right? 
That would probably be the move, yeah. Yeah, but then if you say you make all games three points instead of two, if you did that just to, like, make it so it's like Boston could be caught, but all they would need is, like, an overtime point or something like that to not get caught, that seems way more fair to me than Boston's now the fourth seed because they lost three games after being clearly the best team over a 70-game stretch. Yeah, exactly. Like, their odds of winning the President's Trophy, I don't know exactly what they were, but I'm sure they were orders of magnitude. Higher than what they were under this system. Are coming. They through. probably would have been over fifty percent by the time the season ended, because the only team even somewhat close was Tampa and St. Louis, and both of them had like ninety-four and ninety-two points, which yeah. was six less than Boston, six and eight. Yeah, exactly. And they ended up getting the toughest opponent by a wide margin in the East, I would say. Yes. Um, yeah. Definitely have teams that are left for sure. Um, you know, maybe one of the toughest even. If, like, there was no upsets, I think. Yeah, like, off true talent, they're, they were at worst, what, like, the third best of those non, like, of the teams who had to play in. They're behind, what, Pittsburgh and Toronto, and then Carolina, yeah, next worst team. And to play. Honestly, I think you could probably make an argument for them over, like, Toronto, depending on how much you value their decor versus their forwards. Yeah, without Hamilton, I don't think you could, but, like, healthy, you absolutely could. Yeah, and that's fair. Um, but, yeah, I, it's – I'm really excited for this series. Um, I, I think this should be good. I really like the Carolina team. It'll be really interesting. The biggest storyline to me is can Boston – I don't know if snap out of it is the right word. Or is, it was Boston just not caring about the round robin. They were more just focused about not getting hurt and trying to get their feet underneath from them. Or was it truly like they couldn't get motivated for a couple games and now they really have to switch it into high gear? Because if it's the latter, I would be a little worried if I was a Boston fan. A little bit. Like – Obviously, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, this is the end of the world. But, you know, playing a team like Carolina, I think, is going to be a bit more tough uh, than, say, like, maybe you could give a game up to Montreal and still feel totally confident in your ability to just storm back. But, like, if Carolina gets a one- or two-game lead here, you know, they can hold it very well. Yeah, and, like, if Boston comes out flat, there's going to be a lot of terrified fans. Yes, and I think right against Carolina, I think it's rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the Carolina Hurricanes are a very good hockey team, and Sebastian Ajo is a god, apparently, from the play-in game. So. Yeah, I mean, and even, like, so Dom has this series at 64% for Boston, which is a little high, in my opinion. Like, obviously, it's a model. It's not what Dom chooses. But, like, I would put it more closer to, like, personally, like, 55 to 57 for Boston, probably. Like, Yeah, I'm actually really surprised how low the Hurricanes are here. I think it's probably just because the Boston was so strong in the play, and also no Dougie Hamilton or Brett Pesci to start the series. I think is uh, rough. Yeah, no Pesci and Hamilton's rough, and I. Yeah, that would, so that makes sense. I forgot Pesci and Hamilton are out. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know. Like, I, I think it should be a good series. I picked Carolina in seven. Um, to be fair, again, this is one where if Boston wins, I uh, just would not be even a little bit shocked. Yeah, I got Boston in seven for the best series in the East, hopefully. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the team Carolina put out. So Carolina absolutely dominated the play-in round. It just, like, it wasn't even close. Uh, the three-game sweep uh, of the New York Rangers, who then went and won the draft lottery tonight. So they will be getting Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, a huge, obviously a huge uh, boost to them. I'm not going to consider myself a huge prospect guy, but at the same time, I also never really understood the full hype behind, you know, New York's system. Like, they have a lot of guys who have supposed to have been good for two or three years now, but haven't been good at all in the NHL. And I question um, where, like, the not, – not the confidence, because I think, like, obviously you take their farm system over – a handful of other teams. It's just like, man, the, the Rangers were a force to be reckoned with. And like, I think people were picking them over the, the hurricanes at great speed going into, it's just like, yeah, the roster's fine, but like, it doesn't scare me per se. No, not at all. Like unless Kako snaps out of it and scores 40 goals and laughs, putting up like 70 points next year. But like they need, they're a really top heavy team. And a lot of that top heavy, relies on a dude who was literally the worst regular player in the NHL last year. Yeah, like, it's... If you're just looking at their team, so they have, like, Vitaly Kratzov, Leas Anderson, like, you need... And Leas Anderson's not even playing with the team because he didn't like the shot he got. But it's like, you need, like, 
a couple of those tier guys to step up and just be like good third or second liners, which is asking enough. Same with like Brett Howden or like Philip Chidel. Like you need a couple of those guys to just be like good middle six guys at the very least. And then you need Capo Caco to be a legitimate top six guy who, and he was garbage, like so bad. And again, he's only 19. I'm not saying he can't be good. Like it's impressive just being in the league at 18 years old, but like he was, he should not have been in the NHL the entire season last year. But, you know, I I think obviously um, Lafreniere should step in. And if he gets to play, I want to try and like tame my excitement because this is the exact shit we said about Capo Caco last year. But it's like, if he gets to play with like Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider or like Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin or something like that, like that could be a really good starting spot for him. But like, Again, we said the exact same thing about Kako. I'm not saying Lafreniere is going to be Kako. I think he's better, but like, it's it would not concern me. But like, I, I just don't see them as a shoe in to be this team that just jumps a ton of points or whatever. No, we like they just lack a lot of good. Like you said with their prospects, like them being a good team depends so heavily on a whole bunch of prospects being way better than they've shown they can be at this point. Yeah, exactly, and, like, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something real big, or, like, maybe I'm just forgetting about a couple huge prospects in their organization, because, um, like I've said, I'm not a huge prospect guy. I know that, you know, people like, people who do prospects like their organization in general, but, or, you know, but, like, if they if they jump, say, even 10 points next year and get 10 more points in this year, I would immediately look that to just a full year of Igor Shosturkin playing, you know, and he he's the goalie that it looks like he was this year. Um, versus the rookies just being gods or whatever, right? Like, Or their young guys being really, really good. Yeah, exactly. and their other problem is they were so mediocre this year. Like, they can still add 15 points, which is a ton, and still not be scary. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, I don't know. I, it, it's one of the better landing spots, in my opinion, for, like, I, I'd rather see him in New York versus, like, Minnesota, or like, sorry, Minnesota, but, like, even Nashville would have been all right, but I just wouldn't have watched him much in Nashville, so it's like, this is a fine landing spot for him, but it's just been something I've wondered for a couple weeks now, where it's like, where's just all the hype coming from for the New York Rangers? Like, Panarin's great, but he's also 28. Um, You know, like, Zibanejad's great, he's 27. Kreider's good, he's 29. Like, some of the top guys are getting older, whereas, like, the young guys have not shown anything to show that they can actually step up and take that role in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. And, like, Kako's the biggest one to me that I have no idea what to do. Because, like, if you go back through the past, like, Tyler Sagan was really, really bad when he stepped in the league, too. And you would have hated to write him off or whatever. But, like, nobody's been as bad as Kako was. So it's he's so tough to—and he's such an important part— because he was that blue chip prospect who actually has superstar upside. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I'm definitely, they're a team that can easily wait another year and see what they have. So I'm excited to see, but I just, I, I'm not sure I'm going to buy quite into the hype just yet. Uh, I think goaltending would be the reason you should buy into the hype for them. Um, but, you know, other than that, like, I, I just don't see their forwards up front past Panarin. And you're going to need Lafreniere to just be amazing right off the bat. And then you have, you know, Zabanajed is great, but... He's not a top 20 center in the league, I wouldn't say. Like, Yeah, and they did this weird thing. Like, Panarin was great last year, and, like, there are plenty of teams that should have signed Panarin to that contract, and this is going to sound weird, given he's, like, played an MVP-level season for them. But I don't really think the Rangers are one of them, because let's say you're like, okay, we'll take a year and get everything used to it. Now Panarin's 30 by the time you're reasonably expecting to be the contender. Yeah, like... I don't know. It's it, it'll be interesting to see how it how it turns out. I, I'm definitely more skeptical on them than the uh, general public is. That's for sure. But if Laugh comes in and scores 80 points next year, all of a sudden the entire equation has changed, and he looks yes. like a slam dunk superstar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. And it's like, and again, like Laugh absolutely could be even just a 50 point player. I like their team more. It's just one of those things where it's like, I'm not saying their team's going to suck ass next year or anything like that. I just don't think that they're yet anyway showed, like most of their players yet have shown me enough to make me think that they're really like the next team in two to three years to just be perennial cup contenders or whatever. Yeah, I completely agree. Like they have enough really good players. I absolutely do not expect them to be bad, but they also have done 
a reasonably poor job to my eye, unless their prospects are blowing me out of the water and I'm missing something uh, at building around them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's get to the West now. Let's go back to the playoff uh, preview. Um, so we have Vegas and Chicago uh, is the one versus eight seed. Chicago knocked off the Edmonton Oilers in four games. Uh, Edmonton, I thought, probably deserved to go on. Like, if you go to, um, uh, I'm blanking on the name, Natural Statric, Edmonton, out of the play-in teams, so not the round-robin ones, had the um, third best Corsi 4 percentage, and they had the best goals expected goals 4 percentage out of all the teams in the entire um bracket so better than pittsburgh oh yeah like wait like pittsburgh was 10th for expected goals at 5v5 anyways but edmonton was at 60 percent expected goals like i don't know it's one of those concerns where it's obviously i think they probably deserve to go on um but it's also something that needs to be addressed uh where when Connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl weren't on the ice the team just looked flat and honestly at times, it was when Connor McDavid wasn't on the ice, the team looked flat. Like, I didn't think – I thought Dreisaitl was good, but I didn't, I don't know. Like, he didn't look like the superstar that we saw this regular season. Yeah, like, he was obviously good. He didn't look like uh, like MVP out there. Mm-mm. I thought he really good. Oh, weird. Taves looked like he went back like, 2013. I don't know what the numbers say behind him, but him and even Duncan Keith, I thought, looked pretty good for, you know, like, 37-year-old Duncan Keith or however old he is, like – uh, both of those guys looked really impressive. It looked the both of those guys you could tell the the break really helped them. Yeah, like Taze, Keith, and Price made me think it was like 2014. Yeah, exactly. And like I didn't think Patrick Kane even looked that great for the Hawks in the series. No, I thought um, and, slam dunk their best player. Yeah, so uh, you know, and maybe, and that's probably encouraging for Chicago. Uh, you know, you're obviously going to need some big goaltending for Robin Leonard. I really like this Vegas team. They looked really good in the round robin. I think. Them and Colorado were probably the two, are probably my two favorite teams to win win it all this year. Maybe the Lightning as well. Um, I think I have the Lightning beating the Avalanche in my cup final for the bracket, but that's also because I think the Avalanche have a much harder path going through possibly St. Louis and Vegas to get to the cup final. But uh, yeah, Vegas looked really good. So I, Chicago is going to be really in tough, but they're going to need Taves to keep playing amazing. They're probably going to need Kane to step it up. They're going to need, you know, uh, Debrinket and Kubalik uh, to play well, very well, and they're going to need a big performance from Duncan Keith every night. Yeah, and they're going to need Crawford. What was it in the elimination game? Crawford to let in two goals on like forty plus shots. Yeah, like this series is at seventy five percent for Vegas, which is like this is the boldest I've ever seen the colors for Tom's model. Yeah, like I would not be surprised if Vegas is putting up like a seventy percent expected goals for percentage in this series. And Max Pacioretty just got back in the bubble, and he'll be ready to go for the series, I believe, as well. He didn't play the round robin. I think he was – I don't know if it was a personal issue or an injury or whatever, but he'll be ready to go, so that's a huge boost for them too. So, yeah, I don't know. I am favoring Vegas heavy here, but I, I wouldn't be if, – if Chicago looks like they did – sorry, if the key players for Chicago looked like they did in the Edmonton series, I would say they'd probably make this a little bit more of a series than most people would expect. Yeah, like if the top guns are firing, they can make it a series. But I don't really see a way where Chicago actually outplays them. I could just see Flurry choking and Crawford playing well. Is there real? Yeah, goal? but the issue for that is when if Flurry chokes for two games in a row, you have Robin Leonard going in. <laughs> Which like you know, so and like how oh. how how funny does it look now that you know Chicago trades Vegas Robin Leonard and you know now. Um, the thing you said, I think last podcast really resonated with me. It's like um, when you have two good goalies, you know, and same within uh, football, you, you said in football, when you have two good quarterbacks, the chance that you have, if you just give yourself two good ones, the chance that you have one good one goes up astronomically. It's kind of the same right now in hockey, I feel like, where it's like you saw teams where if they had two good goalies that they knew, even if the one just wasn't going for a couple games or for a couple periods, they threw the other one in and then you had him play well for a couple periods, you know, like Columbus did that a few times. Um, who else did that? The, the Rangers did that as well. Um, and, you know, obviously the Rangers didn't look good, but I didn't think that was their goaltending fault. I thought that was because their team wasn't good. Yeah. Like they're just a worse skating team than the hurricanes. I think it's, uh, unless you have like peak Henrik Lundqvist, I really like the tandem idea. Yeah, I, I think it, it'll be really interesting to see how teams approach it in the future because I think it's going to be a thing we see more and more and more often. 
Yeah, and like Boston had a lot of success with it with Halak and Rask and like I don't know. I think the, good the Islanders have had success for like two two years now with it. You know, like even uh, when Washington won, it was because um, Grubauer was playing for half the year, so Holby had a rest, and then Samsonov last year played, and you know Washington was a uh, overtime period away from moving on in the second round, and who knows how far they go then, right? So yeah, um, like, yeah. Flurry and Murray split a cup too in Pittsburgh. Yeah, a pair of cups. Like it's it's one of those things where it's like I, I feel like there's so much evidence now where it's like you kind of have to do it. So yeah, I like that idea, and it, it bodes well for Vegas here. Yeah, I think Vegas is my pick here. I'm gonna go in. I'll say in four games. I don't. I don't. Again, I don't really believe in predicting sweeps just because it, they're so hard to predict, right? So I'll throw it in as my sweep. I, I realistically, I think this probably goes five or six in Vegas, but I'll, I'll throw this as my sweep of the uh, playoffs, probably. Yeah, I'll say Vegas in five. But if there is a sweep, this is the most likely by far. I think. Yeah, I would. I would assume so. Um, this or like if Carey Price just puts up a 9-15 instead of a 9-30 or whatever, maybe Montreal could be in trouble. But even that, I think I think this one's more likely. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and then we have the Colorado Avalanche and the Arizona Coyotes uh, is the next one. Um, again, like Nashville put up some very good expected goals numbers as well, but they were also behind for a lot, so I don't know how much score effects maybe came into play on that for some of it. Yeah, that's a tough one to suss out. I haven't seen the adjusted numbers, although I assume Nashville is still wildly ahead. I would guess so. Um, let's see, score adjusted and venue adjusted. Uh, yeah, like Nashville is still third of all teams, you know, second from the if you exclude at fifty-eight percent expected goals. So uh, I think it's fair to say that you know uh, Arizona got outplayed, but. Uh, how we talked about, I think, in the preview is I felt better about uh, Arizona's goaltending with Darcy Kemper. And, you know, I think that rang true. Uh, I don't know if I feel I, – I don't I don't know how I feel about Grubauer. I don't think he's bad. But, like, I, I would say that Arizona's goaltenders probably have more of a chance to steal the series, and they're going to get more of an opportunity to do so as well. Yeah, I think the Avs are lucky they don't need Grubauer to outplay Kemper to win. No, this Avs team looked really good in the round robin. Uh, they finished second because they lost to the Golden Knights, but they looked really good. Even against the Golden Knights, I thought they they looked pretty solid. So it'll be really interesting to see um, what happens with these two teams. But uh, this, to me, I think is probably – I'm going to go Avs in five, but I don't know. Maybe you could see it stretch out six or seven if, you know, Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel show up kind of like they did in the uh, the qualifying round. You got a couple big goals out of them, and that's – what they are missing kind of all year. And if, if you can get some big performances from them, maybe this one's closer, but I'm going to go abs in five. I'll make this one my sweep. I'll say abs in four. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. Like Again, I, I feel like we've talked about Arizona a lot of just being so uninspiring, kind of. Yeah, like, and Colorado's so good, too. Like, they're better at every position. Yeah, other than maybe arguably goaltending, but I think the gap between Kemper and Grubauer probably isn't near as big as the defense or the forwards for Colorado compared to the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, they're they're better at every skating position, sorry, by, like, wide margins. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's all I have on this one. Uh, if you're Nashville, maybe – if you're Nashville, do you look at making a change of some sort this, this offseason? I, I, I don't know necessarily what that change – entails because you've tried making big moves the past couple of years with Turris and Duchesne and they just they have not worked out but like what do you do this offseason if you're Nashville they're in a tough spot because like they're so locked in but and then they have money coming off the books and like Craig Smith and Mikel Granlin but like you're not a better team because you lose Craig Smith and Mikel Granlin so I don't really no. know no, it's not like they just have prospects to step in and immediately replace them or anything like that. So, I, yeah, I don't know what you do either. Uh, this is – it's tough. They are a team that um, people thought I think would be contenders for a while, and they just – they had that one year and just weren't able to get over the hump. And I'm worried that they've spent so much money on their aging core. I'm not even talking about the defense core. I mean, like Matt Duchesne and Kyle Turris and – you know, all their centermen pretty much that they're, they're going to be pretty strapped for the next couple of years here. Yeah. Their team's like new school old where their youngest meaningful player is 25 and they're all like 25 to 30. So it's kind of at the point where like, 
if they can't do it, you can't expect age to help you out. It's going to just start hurting you at this point. Yeah, you pretty much have to, like... And, and you know, again, I, I think uh, this kind of relates to Toronto, too, because people are like, well, look at what Washington did, had to go through. The difference is, like, I don't think Nashville's been an elite regular seat, like, an elite team for the past two years. Like, they've been really good. And, like, in 2017, 2018, I thought they were good. But, like... Like, this year and last year, I didn't really think that they were just, like, the elite of the elite teams that just got absolutely unlucky and bounced in the first round or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, they look like the kind of team that's, like, really good, but you take over an NHL GM mode, and because their players are all still valuable, you blow it up and just get, like, every good prospect and first-round pick on Earth. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, that's not how the NHL works, but it'll be really interesting to see what they do as well. Um Okay, next series, Dallas and Calgary. Uh, honestly, Dallas was probably the most underwhelming team in the West. I know they, they ended up beating St. Louis, who fell, but I really just didn't like what I saw from Dallas in the round robin. Um, they're going to need Ben Bishop to be pretty big in the series as well. Um, I think this is probably, for a 3v6, it's not like 3v6 is that um, far apart, but I think this is a pretty close matchup in my opinion. This is the closest matchup we've went over yet. Correct? Do you agree with I that? Think so. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, I, Dom has them at 55% for Dallas, so that is easily the closest one that I've seen from his model. Most of them are in the 60s or 70s. Um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think this is definitely the closest one. Yeah, and I guess that's good for Calgary as the underdog, but they're not sitting at like 25%. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I like their roster. I don't like Mulan Lucic, but... I, I like the rest of their roster. Uh, I thought they, they looked pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, the Jets had a bunch of injuries to go through uh, that, that, that they went through, and that didn't help the Jets at all. But uh, I guess we should talk about the Kachuk thing real quick. That wasn't intentional, right? No, it definitely was not. No, uh, thank you. Like, it's so far gone that I don't think we really need to talk about it. But I think if that was – like, if Johnny Goudreau did that, no one's even saying another word other than, damn, I hope Shifley's okay. But yeah. because it was Kachuk, everyone's like, oh, he did on purpose. I'm sorry. Like, he, no, I'm, I'm sorry. No. Like, the speed at which hockey has is played at makes me certain that was not on purpose. Like, you could yeah. not coordinate that on an NHL rink. Well, yeah. It's like, if you're going to say, like, you know, obviously, I think you probably remember the Matt Cook on Eric Carlson thing. People yeah. were saying, like, that wasn't even on purpose. And Matt Cook was a way rattier player than Matthew Kachuk is. And that was a way easier play to at least try and tell it was on purpose. And even that, I don't think, was anywhere near definitive enough. The Matthew Kachuk thing, just, like, imagine having a split second and thinking, I'm just going to end this guy's career by trying to slice his Achilles tendon or whatever. Like, no one thinks like that. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, no one, I at least like to imagine, like, NHL players are not trying to slice each other's Achilles open. Like sure, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I say sure. Maybe there is someone who thinks like that in the world, but I can almost guarantee that someone who is a key uh, contributor for their team doesn't want to get suspended and is like a sixty-point player or whatever isn't thinking. I'm just going to try and end this guy who I skate with every summer's career. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's there is no way that was on purpose. No. Um. So uh, sorry, I just want to get that off my chest, but. Back to Calgary. Uh, I think Dave Riddich has to be the starter. They started Mike Smith in Game One, and it was uh, disgusting. Or sorry, no, they no, sorry, they're, they're I'm mixing up teams now. Uh, Cam Talbot was yeah, Cam Talbot was starting, um, which was surprising because I thought Dave Riddich should be the starter. Um, but you know, Talbot played well. Like I, I don't think Winnipeg necessarily tested him a ton, but um, so I guess they go with him. But I think that's another tandem kind of where it's like you can go back and forth. Yeah, exactly, and just. If one of them's bad, you just play the other one. Mike Smith did suck too, by the way. But yes, Mike Smith was garbage. But I was just thinking about the wrong team. <laughs> yeah, still got his, still got him on the Flames in your mind. But yeah, like I don't think either Riddich or Talbot really scare you if you're Dallas, especially when you have Ben Bishop. But again, at least there's two of them in Calgary. Yeah, exactly. I I totally agree. Um. I guess we should talk about Winnipeg super quick as well. I don't have much to say on them. I, I feel like they're going to try and run it back because of what they saw this year, and I feel like that's a very not smart decision. Um, I think Hellebuck really masked a lot, a lot of that team's problems, and they're going to blame it on an injury five-game series in COVID era as to why they got screwed, um, when in reality I think they probably got lucky to even be where they were. Yeah, like I think a lot of people are going to have their eyes open when Connor Hellebuck inevitably regresses next year and the Jets are just getting absolutely filled in at 5-on-5. Five five. 
yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, so I don't, I don't have much more to say on that. I'm gonna go. I picked Calgary in this series. Uh, I'm gonna go Calgary in seven. I think this is a, a, a coin flip, really. Uh, this was my only upset, I believe. So I was hoping I disagreed with you on this one, but <laughs> I Calgary in seven as well. Yeah. Um. I think it's it, again. If Dallas wins, I would not be shocked. But you know, I think just just trying to pick a couple upsets here. So Calgary is my one here. I think it should be. This should be a really good series too. I talked about Boston, Carolina, St. Louis, Vancouver. I want to see this is this is one I will watch as well for sure. Yeah, it should be an interesting enough series. I like both their top guys. I think when the top guys aren't on the ice for either team, this series might get a little rough. But yeah, that's true. But I don't know. Like, yeah, it, it should be. Decent. I think they'll probably play their top guys a bunch too, both teams. So that'll at least help things out. I would. I don't see how either team does like plays without just riding their top guys. Yeah. Uh, and then the last two, St. Louis and Vancouver. Um, this. Yeah. I'm. I'm excited to see this series. Um, Vancouver's top guys are uh, very entertaining. I like the whole St. Louis. The, the St. Louis team as a whole. Uh, St. Louis looked pretty underwhelming in the round robin. So they're kind of going to fit in like Boston, where it's like. Uh, okay, what do you bring here now? Like, do, do you get more of a motivation here? You know, was it maybe the players just didn't care quite as much or was it just bad luck or whatever, right? So that'll be interesting to see as well. You know, Vancouver, I thought they they, they lost, it was a game one against Minnesota and then they looked pretty good from there on in. So, um, you know, I think this should be a pretty entertaining series back and forth. Yeah, this should be a very good series. Hopefully Quinn Hughes just looks like a god again too. Yeah, um, I think if Vancouver wants a chance of winning, it's going to be after the Hughes, Pedersen, Markstrom show. Uh, those three are going to have to be big for Vancouver because I really like St. Louis' depth a lot more than I do Vancouver's. Yeah, this is another one where, like, St. Louis is better at every position. Like, they have a better forward group as a whole, better defense group as a whole, and then use better hope Markstrom's better than Markstrom. Yeah. Or, yeah, Bennington, sorry. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a decent series, but I went St. Louis in six. Yeah, I'll go St. Louis in seven. Pray for some Quinn Hughes magic that drags it out. Yeah, exactly. I think it should be like I don't think it's going to be a landslide for St. Louis. I, I, I'm not a huge I'm not huge on Vancouver's roster, but I would be a little surprised if St. Louis just absolutely dominated Vancouver in this because I think they'll show some fight. Yeah, although one thing I like if I'm St. Louis is I have. Ryan O'Reilly against a one-line team up front. I really like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, because you got you know you're gonna. I think if you're uh, Vancouver, you're gonna need like either split. Uh, you're gonna need like big big series from the four of Besser, J.T. Miller, uh, Pedersen, and uh, Bo Horvat. Like you're gonna need like two guys on each line where it's like your top six needs to be legitimate dominant if you're gonna have a chance probably. Yeah, 100%. Because, like, I don't see a world where the Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter lines are winning the series for the Vancouver Canucks. No, I don't think so either. So, um, yeah, that's our picks. Uh, for Vancouver, they put up the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I don't know what Minnesota can do other than just kind of stay par for the course. Yeah, they're they're kind of in that um, Nashville tier where they're sort of just, like, locked into everyone. Like, I don't I don't know what you do. If you're the Minnesota Wild. No, like you have an all right team, but it's like you're not going to compete and you're not bad enough to tank. So it's like, what do you do? They would have been a good team in terms of like a a fit, I think, on the team for Lafreniere. I'm happy he didn't go there. But then again, I thought about it. It's like maybe maybe he'd make them somewhat watchable to me. So I don't know. Like he could have been a pretty good fit, I think, on Minnesota where he could have stepped in comfortably, played – you know, with a, a, a more an underrated roster, I'll say, but like, you know, obviously not an amazing one, and they, he probably could have made them a lot better. Yeah, actually, as much as we rip on them, I think a Lafreniere, Fiala, and Kaprizov led forward group would be way more interesting than a lot of people would give them credit for. Yes, totally. Uh, it's just some of the the style that they play. I think that people don't always uh, enjoy, which is fair enough. But you know, at the same time, they got to play that style, so. Although with with defensemen who can move the puck, like they got Suter's not bad, Spurgeon's obviously great and whatnot. Like you could open it up if you got those forwards, but that would be contingent on getting Lafreniere, and they didn't do that. They, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so there's our uh, first round preview. Uh, hoping to have this out on Tuesday. Uh, as always, you can find my stuff and Chase's stuff at lastwordonhockey.com. You can find mine at. Uh, 
you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. You can find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. You can find my other work at MileHighHockey.com. Um, the Avs uh, SB Nation site, I will be doing probably some analysis, hopefully, as the rounds go on. And I have some previews and stuff at times. Um, and Chase, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Well, we will talk to you all next week. I am assuming it will either be within one week or if it looks like round one is going to wrap up uh, after, you know, eight or nine days, we might just wait the eighth or ninth day so we can record then instead of doing right every week. But uh, we're trying to hit near weekly at least. So we will talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any questions or comments on the podcast, we'd love to hear them. As always, we're looking for feedback. So let us know in a review or on Twitter. That works too. Uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you.